brand new creatures created in Christ Jesus and the good works. Because the hand of the Lord came upon us. And Father came upon us to do good, Father, to watch over us, to protect us, to heal us, to care for us. And so we thank you for that. In all the days of our lives and all the days of eternity, Father, we will sing your praises, thanking you for all the wonderful things you've done for us. And we give you all the praise and the honor for these things in Jesus' name. Well, praise God. The Lord is good. Amen. Um, you know, in all, and of course, all the uh, teaching we do here on this earth, especially about um, uh, the area of healing, you know, it's really a very temporary message because someday we get glorified bodies, some days everything changes, and, and uh, we move on from the frailties of this earth and the difficulties that we have to experience uh, on this earth. And and it's not that we have to live in them, but we have to deal with them. Amen. Uh, we're not required to live in sickness and disease, but we do have to stand in faith against them, you know, and, and uh, fight the good fight against them. Uh, but the, these things are temporary, you know, they'll, they'll all go away. And then someday in the future, you know, all of us need to teach on healing uh, will go away, just like all the need to teach on things like deliverance and prosperity and, and um, protection of the Lord Jesus all of those things will be unnecessary because there won't be any enemies in the, in the, in the universe at that point in time, at least that uh, uh, is out and about uh, trying to destroy us. But, but, you know, we are here, amen? And if we're here, then we, we should deal with things that we need to deal with uh, on this earth. And, you know, a lot of times people, uh, e even in the church, think that it's not necessary to teach on these areas because they're uh, of the natural world. You know, sickness and disease is a natural issue. I know sometimes it can be caused by spiritual circumstances, but for the most part, it's, an, it's a natural world uh, situation. Uh, and so they don't think that you should teach on that, and yet uh, we live here. If we live here, then we should teach on how to be successful here. Amen? We should, live on, uh, we should teach on how to overcome the, these issues. And, and, and a big reason why is because the scriptures are full of this information. And if, if the scriptures were silent on a particular subject, then, um, you know, like, like your voting rights, is that, uh, is that an important part? Well, some people's life it is. How, much, uh, how many Bible verses are talking of thou shalt vote, you know, in the general election? You know, there's a zero, right? And so if the Bible says nothing about it, how much time should the church spend talking about it? Well, then we shouldn't spend much time talking about it, amen. And I don't have a problem encouraging us to do our, you know, our, uh, our civic duties and, uh, and those types of things because uh, it's to our advantage if, if the church would take its role in the earth, especially even in America, you know, we would have a whole lot fewer problems, amen, in the earth and in, in, in America, right? We would vote the right people in and we would have the right uh, goals and ambitions in, in the earth. Uh, and, you know, so there's nothing wrong with, with discussing those in a small amount of way, but uh, you get to doctrines like healing, and healing is talked about many times in the Scripture. And so if it's talked about many times in Scripture, it seems like the Lord would want us to also spend quite a bit of time talking about that. Amen? So let's turn in our Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 8. We'll continue there today. And so um, this particular chapter that we're in with... Um, um, Dr. Yeoman's book is, uh, is himself, and so she's just going through about what he did himself for us, amen, that he himself bore our sicknesses and carried our diseases, and, or um, in the 
Matthew's version of that. He took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses, but he did that himself. So she's just doing a survey of this particular chapter, and we talked about the, uh, the centurion and how he called Jesus Lord, uh, uh, you know, just meaning that there's no one greater than him, which is interesting because um, he's a soldier in the Roman Empire. Uh, serving the Roman emperor. And, you know, in the Roman's emperor mind, there was nobody greater than, than himself. But no, the Lord is, is the greatest one that there is. And, of course, the centurions had uh, called him Lord, uh, which also means power over all power. So he understood that regardless if there's a spiritual uh, uh, government or not, that the Lord Jesus was greater than that. And so, uh, and, and the thing that's amazing to me is, his great faith was based upon his understanding of how authority works. So it wasn't even about he had just great inherent faith that he could, God could say anything and he could believe anything just because God said it, which is true. That's, and that's a good aspect of faith to have, that if God said it, then I believe it, and that's fine. Um, uh, but in this case, it wasn't even about the teaching of Jesus that caused the centurion to have faith. It was the observation of how Jesus operated that caused the centurion to have faith because he observed that when Jesus speaks, things change, right? When Jesus says something, things happen. Uh, and he observed that, you know, if he didn't have power, then that wouldn't work that way. You know, you ever seen people that, that uh, get mad at the government, you know, and scream at them and, well, it doesn't matter, you know, you scream all day long, you know, you don't have any power to change that, right? Your power comes in the voting booth. But people still think if I, if I you know, scream at them loud enough, they'll change. And, um, uh, and so the centurion was just observing how Jesus operated in his ministry. That when he command a devil to leave, the devil would leave. When he would command sickness and disease to leave, the sickness and disease would leave. And he just observed, you know, that's exactly the way I expect my soldiers to operate. That's the way that I'm expected to operate. When I'm told what to do, then, I, then the expectation is I do that. And I'm sure that he knew that there were consequences if he didn't do that. Uh, and, he saw, and so I'm sure that uh, he had seen situations where that wasn't always the case. When, a, when an order went through, sometimes there would be some rebellion. And, of course, I'm sure that they were dealt with in a severe way if a soldier didn't do what he was told to do um, or a servant didn't do what he was told to do. Uh, but he observed that Jesus, when Jesus said it, it never changed. You know, that there was never any rebellion. It always occurred. Uh, and that, uh, that understanding of that is faith that because his his faith is well then when jesus speaks something happens uh, and it was based upon his understanding and observation of how jesus operated and, and jesus called that great faith and that that's an area that you know we we should uh dwell on and meditate on about lord i need to understand how you operate i need to understand why is the name of jesus why is our authority wrapped up in that right and why can't i just use you know holy water or you know the crucifix or put my bible on somebody you know why doesn't why don't those things work but the name of jesus does work and if you understand you know why that is and we've i'm sure we've covered that over the years uh, then you see your faith will increase amen uh, and so uh, one of one of my great desires as i study the word of god is to get the understanding of you know why did you do it this way lord why why does this work this way uh, what, what are the limitations or what are the expectations that you have for us in, in these particular promises uh, and, um, and so I know the Proverbs chapter 3 says that wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. Uh, and with all that getting, get understanding. 
so, you know, understanding is not the most important thing, but uh, it does cause you to have great faith. Amen. Uh, in fact, if you go over just real quick and, and um, let's see if we can find it there in Matthew chapter 13 um, in the parable of the soil. Um, the uh, three types of soil. He's uh, uh, explaining that he had already told the, 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 uh, um, the parable here. But then he said in verse uh, 19 uh, that when anyone hears, uh, heareth the word of the kingdom and understand it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. Uh, this is he which receives seed by the wayside. Uh, and so in the, the parable, you know, he said those are uh, those that are by the wayside. And when, when it's sown, you know, the birds come and take it away uh, and they can't hang on to it. Uh, and so uh, one of the, the types of soil that Jesus um, explained was when you receive the word of God and you don't understand it. It's not it's not a measure of intelligence. It's a measure of do you accept it? Right. And, and, and are you looking to understand why that is? Because the understanding comes from the Lord. Right. The Holy Spirit will express to you why that scripture is so in your life. But sometimes we don't want to receive that. Uh, and, and so, and even in the church, many times you hear people say, well, the word of God is difficult to understand. It's hard to accept. It's hard to understand why these things are so. And it's really not. It, you know, these things are really pretty simple to understand if you understand that who God is, right? If you understand that God's a good God. See, if you put all the framework of the word of God in the context that God is a good God, things start to make sense when things don't make sense and they don't understand it. I don't understand why God let that person die of sickness and disease. Well, that's, that's a valid statement because he didn't do that, right? But see, when, when, when you can't get good doctrine, then it's hard to get good understanding because understanding is, you know, everything makes sense. And, and the more that you know the Word of God, the more that you know who the Spirit of God is, the easier it is to understand these things. And so, uh, in fact, I, I was watching some guy, and he was, he was kind of berating um, uh, Joel Osteen, you know, our friend Joel Osteen, and Joel Osteen uh, specifically, he was talking about the the uh, a message that uh, Mr. Osteen had preached about uh, that God won't put on you any more than you can bear. Well, that's a true statement, right? Because number one, he says that my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So if his yoke is easy and his burden is light, then how could he ever put on you any more than you can bear? Uh, and but and also uh, in in First uh, Corinthians. Uh, chapter 10, in fact, we'll just uh, read it real quick. Um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, it says in verse 13 that there is no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. So, uh, number one, uh, who is tempting you here? Is God tempting you? God's not tempting you, right? But, but he will put a limit even on the enemy from tempting you. You know, the, the enemy can't tempt you beyond your ability to withstand. So that should give you some comfort there that oh, I just couldn't help it. Well, that's not true. You could help it because he's never going to put on you, uh, allow any more temptation in your life than you can bear. But he's not the one putting it on you. And so God's not putting on you burdens that, that, uh, uh, that you can't bear. Uh, and yet uh, this fellow, you know, and usually he's pretty good. You know, I check, uh, read, uh, watch his videos every now and then. Um, but in this case, he was just completely wrong because he said, you know, well, you know, what about a death of a loved one or death of a child? 
you know, God put that on you, and that's more than you can bear. And you know, you're just like, when you raise your hand, well, number one, God didn't do that. God didn't kill that child. God didn't put that on you. And, and there's no scripture that says that God did that. And yet, because the difficulties of life can be overwhelming, if you allow them to be, they're overwhelming. But, you know, even, even in, in, a, in a horrific circumstance of the death of a child, uh, cannot the Lord Jesus, is, isn't he called the comforter? Isn't the Holy Spirit called the comforter? Isn't he actually called that? Uh, and, and if he's called that, then he can comfort us when terrible things happen in our lives. And, and now, can we avoid them? Well, you know, if you look at the great scheme of things, you know, we're not, I know we're trying to judge anybody and condemn anybody, but uh, if the Holy Spirit is doing his job, he said he would lead you and guide you in all truth and show you things to come. Wouldn't he be showing us these things? But our, our faith is not for him to show us these things. Then when they, when they happen, we're like, oh, you know, who could have known that? Well, I believe the Lord can, could have showed that to us. And I believe he probably tried to show that to us, that, that if things don't change, this is what's going to happen. Uh, and, and, you know, that's not to condemn the, the victims of these circumstances, but people, you know, always want to only focus on what they're experiencing and never ask the question, how did I get here? How did I arrive at this circumstance? You know, the death of a child is not your fault, so to speak, but could it have been averted? Uh, well, well, possibly, you know, if the, if the Lord is good, I think he would have tried to get you to avoid that, you know, and, and, and so, uh, but we don't want to talk about that because that's, that's, that's touchy and, and uh, you know, it's, people call it victim shaming or, you know, victim blaming, you know, we're not blaming anybody, uh, but if God's doing his job, and I believe he is, then, you know, he would show us these things, amen? Uh, and so, so the, 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 whole, the whole thing was, was about, um, see, in his mind, you know, he's a very intelligent person. Uh, Joel Osteen was wrong because God does put on you uh, burdens that you can't bear. And it's, it's, not, it's not true. It's just simply not true. Not, and there's no Bible to back it up. His entire uh, uh, argument was based upon the circumstances that we all live through and the difficulties of this life, you know, and, and of course, you know, part of the problem in our life is death is part of this life. Uh, it's, it's an enemy, but it's part of this life. And until we breathe the last breath, there will be death. Amen. People will die. People will live out their full life on this earth and they will die. People will, will live short life on this earth and they will die. And we can't change that for them. We can change it for us. You know, for uh, we always know that for us, we can change it. Right. We can live a long life. He promised that. But I can't make somebody else live a long life. I can't show them that they that it's a promise from god to live a long life and if they don't want to accept that they don't believe it and they they buy in the philosophy that only the good die young because you know that's a song and so it must be scripture if it's a song right and so uh and and they'll buy into things like that well you know only the good die young you know uh, you know god needed him in heaven more than we needed him here i mean what's that even mean right it's like, I mean, is the problem with finding people, enough people to work uh, affecting heaven too? You know, I mean, it's affected everyone on this earth, you know. It's like God's, I can't get nobody to work. All the angels are on strike. They're at home, you know, sitting on, you know, collecting a check, you know, and they won't come to work. So we got to just go kill some people on the earth to bring them to heaven. To, I mean, it's not, obviously that's being facetious, but, uh, but, but people say things and, and the root cause, root issue is they don't understand God. They don't understand that God is a good God. Uh, and if he's a good God, would he want to heal you? Well, sure he would. Uh, and, and will he heal you? Sure he will. Uh, and, and so uh, it, it's uh, the centurion, to me, 
is, is such a, a great encouragement because my, one of my greatest desires is to understand who God is, right? And I understand I, I'll never be able to comprehend entirely who God is, just start thinking about the Trinity and how they're all the same, but they're all different, you know, and, uh, you know, our little limited minds won't be able to grasp it, but, but he had great faith because of his understanding, amen? And Jesus said later on that if you don't understand things, if you just don't put the work into understanding it, uh, and understanding is just, you know, you've got to go and, and study. In fact, he told Timothy, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. So sometimes, you know, we don't understand the word of God, and, and we say things just like that fella. I mean, he doesn't even realize, but what he said was a shameful thing, that God will put on you more than you can bear, and, and, it'll, and you'll dis, despair even of life. Now, Paul talked about that uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I'm going to look, look, at, just look at that real quick there. Uh, you know, it's not that uh, there aren't things that we have to deal with, but uh, we would, right? Uh, but we do deal with things. And he said here in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, verse 8, uh, it says, For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble or tribulation which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, even in so much that we despaired even of life. Well, have you ever been in a situation where you despaired even of life? Lord, how am I going to get out of this? How am I going to overcome this? And so he doesn't tell us specifically what those things were, but these are big things, right? Now, see, some people, including that fellow that, that uh, was berating Joel Osteen, uh, would say, see, God put this on him. God put this on him, and it was more than he could bear, that he despaired even of life. But uh, then he tells us, though, in verse 9, but we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raises the dead. Uh, and this is the issue right here. Uh, how many times have we told God, Lord, I can handle it. I can take it from here. Lord, I've got this. Uh, and... and uh, Paul is saying, no, you, you should have died to yourself a long time ago. The sentence of death, should, you should live in the sentence of death all the days of your life. Because otherwise, you're going to trust in yourself. You're going to trust in your intellect. You're going to trust in your ability to talk your way out of it. You're going to uh, trust in your own talents and abilities. Somehow, you're going to trust in yourself. That you can just power through it, you know, and tough it out. And, uh, you, you know, one of the things, my pastor, he, he was diagnosed with... Uh, um, well, he had liver disease and he had uh, prostate cancer, uh, and um, uh, basically he would give, he was given a prognosis uh, that it was terminal, uh, and uh, it it took two years for it to finally catch up with him and, and to end his life. Uh, but that was in 2005. I had known him for 20 years by that time. You know, from the uh, longer than 20 years by that time because uh, I started being with him. In college, um, in fact, the first month of college, I, I probably saw one of the first messages he did. He was, you know, uh, we were in the back of a bookstore. That was his church. He started church in, in borrowing a, a, a uh, storage room from a bookstore. And we set up five or ten chairs, and uh, they would meet, and then they would break down the chairs, and then that was church, right? And, and uh, it wasn't even a room that they rented. It was just a storage area. And so there was stuff everywhere. It wasn't like a nice clean room. It was just, you know, like in a broom closet somewhere. And, and, um, and I observed over the years that, uh, you know, my pastor prayed for people, had great success. In fact, God, he prayed for me many times, and I was healed under his ministry uh, many times. And uh, had great faith to lay hands on people, to see them recovered. 
preached on healing, taught on healing. And yet I had observed in his own personal life, I had never seen him get sick and overcome by faith. Uh, he, he was generally of, of the mindset that he'll tough it out. And I can't tell you how many times I knew that he was sick, sick like a dog sick. You know, I don't know what, what that means, but it's bad, right? But he would still preach. Uh, and, and he would just, uh, you know, he'd just tough it out. Well, uh, that's great, you know, and commendable to an extent. But the problem is, who's he trusting in doing that? He's trusting in himself. Now, see, sometimes you've got to expend faith and do it anyway, right? And just like when, he, when Jesus told the ten lepers to go show yourself to the priest. Well, they had to go. They had to expend the energy to go. They had to be faithful to go. And as they went, they were healed. Why? Because their faith was, well, we've got to obey the Lord. Uh, and that's fine. And so they re- reaped the, the blessing of being faithful to the Lord's uh, commandment and received the end of their faith, which is the healing and the cleansing of, of their leprosy. Uh, and, that, and so that's fine. So sometimes you do have to, you know, remember he told the, the man with the withered hand, stretch forth thine hand. Well, you know, it's withered, that's, but... It just, you actually can't do that. That's, that's, it was a withered hand, right? And, you know, and so uh, just like somebody in a wheelchair, come up here, let me pray for you. you know, walk up here, let me pray for you. I'm in a wheelchair. Yeah, but I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's kind of a catch-22. Uh, and so, but the man did. He, as he made the effort to stretch forth his hand, he was healed. Uh, that wasn't what, what I observed with my pastor. And I'm, try, I'm not trying to uh, run him down. I'm just, it was an observation. I just noticed over the many years that I knew him that I never saw him one time get sick, uh, have symptoms, believe God, and the symptoms go away, and he was okay. Uh, and so I was really concerned when, when I heard that he was sick in that way because, you know, it's, just, it's a lot harder, especially when, uh, when you get the cancer like that. Uh, you're on very strong medication, right? Uh, and a lot of times it's hard to, especially if it's on strong uh, pain medication, it's hard to be clear-minded, and you, and you really have to be clear-minded to be in great faith, right? Because you have to understand, you have to yield to your spirit, you have to hear what your spirit's saying. And if you can't hear what anybody's saying because of the drugs that you're on, it's hard to, uh, it's hard to get in faith. And so it's just harder. It, it's possible, of course, anything's possible for the Lord, but it is more difficult, amen, when, you're, when your natural uh, uh, facilities are, are compromised because of the medication that you're on. Uh, and so... Uh, so, so, you know, part of, part of that is, uh, you know, the, the Lord didn't put that on him, right? That wasn't a burden that he was supposed to bear. Uh, and, and I don't, and I, you know, I really don't know why he was never able to overcome those things. Uh, and I think uh, my opinion is, it's verse 9, that, that he was still depending on his own strength to get through things, right? Uh, and it's an easy place to get to by accident, amen? So he was a a black belt in karate, you know, kind of a tough guy, and he just toughed it out. And, and you know, I mean, uh, sometimes that's necessary. You know, sometimes you got to tough out uh, trials and tribulations because they're just there, right? There are unkind people in the world, and sometimes you have to, you know, power your way through those, but you still do it by the power of God, not, not to trusting in yourself. And so that's what Paul said. So he was despairing even of life, but it says that he had the sentence of death in himself. In other words, uh, uh, if you go to the city graveyard, how many people in that graveyard can you depend to come to work tomorrow? Hey, y'all, I, we got, we're starting eight. Y'all going to be there? Could you depend on them? 
No, I mean, they're going to let you down for sure, right? In fact, uh, um, uh, Dr. Dufresne, we were driving one, uh, uh, somewhere one time, a pastor at a cemetery. He said, that'll be the last place that uh, they ever let you down, right there. Uh, and so you have to think about that one. Uh, but, um, and so uh, they're, gonna, you, they're not dependable, right? Uh, what, and so what does that mean? That means you can't, uh, you can't trust in them. And so if you have the sentence of death in yourself, you don't trust in yourself. You don't trust in yourself that, Lord, I'm tough enough to do it. I'm man enough to do it. That's, that's really dumb, right? That's just dumb. You know, I made my bed hard. I'm going to lie in it. That's even dumber, right? We say the dumbest things, right? Uh, and so, so Paul had learned that although he had despaired even of life, that he's not going to trust in himself. He said, but in God, which raises the dead. Uh, and then, then he tells us in verse 10, the deal, right? So here's the deal. So people love verse 8. Oh, I despaired even of life. I don't know if I was going to make it. It's, it's going to be hard. And, but then he gets to verse 10 and says, uh, talking about God, which raises the dead. Who delivered us from so great a death and doth deliver in whom we trust that he will yet deliver. So he's got past, present, and future all covered right there. Right. I've seen him do it before. I've seen him doing it right now. And no doubt he will do it tomorrow. So although he despaired even of life in verse 8, he had the faith in verse 10 that, yeah, we're going to get through it. Because uh, he said, even he raised the dead. If they kill us, we're going to come back and haunt them. Right? We're going to come back and raise from the dead uh, and, uh, and deal with it. Amen. And he did. Remember they did that in, in Acts 14? Remember they stoned him? They stoned Paul, left him for dead? Uh, and, and all the disciples look around going, wow, what do we do now, boys? None, none of them are praying for Paul. They're just like, yeah, what do we do now? Well, that ruined out a lot, didn't it? Uh, and uh, thanks for your prayers, and, and uh, the, the Lord raised them up anyway, uh, in spite of their lack of prayers for Paul. But um, this is Paul's faith. So Paul says, it doesn't matter what comes my way. It doesn't matter what I face, what, uh, what uh, temptations, trials, tribulations come my way. I will overcome. The Lord will deliver me from them all. And see, that's faith, amen? That, that's good faith. And so, now we're not looking for a fight. We're not saying, devil, just bring, you know, bring it on. And I mean, there's a general attitude about, about that that's okay to an extent. But, you know, I'm not looking for him to put on sickness and disease on me and all those things. I'm not interested, you know, I have time to deal with all that. I've got other things to do than, than deal with all those things. And, but when it comes, and if it does come, uh, I will deal with it. And, and the Lord will deliver, amen? See, that's my faith. Because that's what Paul said, no matter how bad it got, the Lord will deliver me. Amen. Uh, and so, so uh, you know, I appreciate the, uh, the, the story of the centurion, not even an Israelite. He didn't grow up in these, these stories, right? He didn't grow up with the knowledge of, of the move of God and, and the, the testimony as they got out of Egypt and all of those things. He didn't grow up with those stories. Uh, and yet he just observed Jesus and go, there's something about this right here. And I, and I think I've got it figured out. Uh, and so uh, then after that, uh, it says, um, down in verse uh, 14, it says, And when Jesus was come to Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother laid and sick of a fever. Uh, and, and it says, And he touched her hand, and the fever left her, and, and she arose and ministered unto them. Uh, and I wanted to look at, let's look at uh, Mark's version of the story here. In Mark chapter 1, I think it may end up be Luke's version, but we'll look at Mark's version here real quick. So Mark chapter 1. Uh, in verse uh, 29, um, it says, uh, And forthwith, when they were come out of the synagogue, they entered into the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. But Simon's, mother, Simon's wife's mother uh, 
lay sick of a fever, and anon they tell him of her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and immediately the fever left her, and she ministered unto them. And then let's look at uh, Luke's version of that, Luke uh, 4.38. And this this is the version that I wanted to read. It says in uh, Luke 4.38, And he arose out of the synagogue and entered into Simon's house, and Simon's wife's mother was taken of a great fever. So the other two just said she had a fever, but Luke said, being Luke being a physician, you know, said that it was a great fever, uh, and they besought her for him, uh, besought him for her. So, uh, you know, it was it was the, the kindness of family members that asked Jesus to come and pray for them, and you know, that, and that's fine, right? You know, that's perfectly fine because uh, was she capable of asking for help? Well, if you got a great fever, you know, if you got a great fever, a lot of times you're you're delirious, or, you know, can't even think straight because you're you, because of the fever, uh, and so. Uh, so the family members besought him uh, for her, and, it's, and he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And, and I remember reading this one day, having read this many times, but I realized, you know, he, he rebuked the fever. It's interesting, because he, so he spoke to the fever itself, as if it's an entity, as if it's a personality. Uh, and I don't know, if, if, if there's no indication that this was caused by a demonic presence, but it's interesting that Jesus spoke to the fever itself. So he didn't speak to her. He spoke to the fever. So he spoke to the sickness. Uh, and, and it listened. It heard him. Uh, whatever the fever, he rebuked it and it left her, right? In, in fact, immediately, it says immediately uh, she arose after it left her and ministered unto them. Uh, and so, so that should, you know, you just come to meditate on that, that, uh, that oftentimes and you've got to be led by the Spirit of God in knowing what to do because he didn't always rebuke the sickness, right? He never rebuked any blindness, right? But sometimes he spoke to the deaf and dumb spirit. Uh, in this case, he spoke specifically to the fever. Uh, and so you really have to be led by the Spirit of God in every circumstance. Lord, do I just pray the life of God on, upon them, right? The life of God's in me. The life of God's going to go into you when I lay hands upon you. You know, that's fine. Uh, uh, do I pray... Uh, for healing in a, in a positive sense, right? Be healed in the name of Jesus, that's fine. Uh, do I speak to the sickness itself in the name of Jesus? You know, uh, I rebuke you, fever. And now, you know, sometimes we just cover all the bases, right? That way, we, you know, we speak to the fever and we, you know, we cover, do everything, lay hands on them, anoint them with oil and everything, right? Put prayer cloths on them, wrap them all up, you know? Uh, and then, uh, I mean, do, 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 you know, the full meal deal. Uh, and so, uh, but, but, you know, we can be led by the Spirit of God that you need to specifically speak to the fever in that case, amen? Uh, and so only Luke brings that particular part out, but it's, to me it's kind of an important thing, right? It's a, it's a, it's a bit of a nuance, but uh, it tells us that even, even inanimate things like a fever can hear faith. Uh, and, and so it's not just people that can hear faith, all things can hear faith, amen? And, and if it hears faith, then it will respond to faith. Uh, and so, of course, Jesus had faith. So, so he was uh, the family physician there, right? Uh, so this, in this whole chapter, you know, we start out with the leper, then we went to the centurion. Now we're here with uh, uh, Peter's mother-in-law. And then it says in verse 16, And when evening was come, uh, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word, and healed all that were sick. Uh, and so uh, they, they said that they brought unto him many. So multitudes, right? Multitudes came to him and he healed them all. 
healed everyone that came to him. Uh, well, that right there should give you some indication of what is God's desire for healing. If they brought all these people to Jesus and Jesus healed all these people, then, then wouldn't he heal you? I mean, why, why are these people special? Were they, were they big givers or something to the ministry of Jesus? You know, were they, were they on the board of directors of the ministry of Jesus? No, they were just regular people, right? Uh, usually you don't have, uh, well, I say usually, that may not even be true, but I was, was going to say usually you don't have people on the board that are possessed with devils, but that may be the only people on the boards, right? <laughs> so I don't know. Uh, but, um, uh, and so, uh, but in this case, how many people did he heal? All that came to him, right? So that gives you some, some understanding of the doctrine of Jesus. Now, we understand that, you know, uh, when it comes to human beings, when we're not God, we're not Jesus, you know, we won't always have that ability. And, and it's not because of, um, of any particular limitation on God's side, but, you know, we're frail people, and we don't operate in the same level of the anointing that Jesus does. But what, what I do find, uh, you know, there was a story uh, about Howard Carter many years ago, and Howard Carter wrote uh, a lot of material. In fact, he was a conscientious, conscientious uh, objector to World War II, and so they threw him in prison. And he's like, sweet, I can write books, read the Bible, you know. I mean, he, you know, he just went about writing some of the greatest Pentecostal teaching books that there ever was uh, in jail. Uh, and because and it's like, like, I can't kill people. Okay, we're going to put you in jail, which seems kind of funny there. But, uh, uh, but um, uh, so anyway, he, once he got out of jail, he, he was on the circuit. And, and he, he traveled with people like Lester Summerall. In fact, Lester Summerall really traveled with him because back in the day, Howard Carter was a very well-known minister of, of the gospel, especially in the area in uh, Pentecostal circles. And uh, so he was at some conference and uh, Brother Hagen had heard of him, heard him speak uh, sometimes. And um, uh, somebody after the conference was done and, you know, they were just kind of sitting around talking to people and, and a lady came up and said, uh, would you pray uh, I, uh, I think it was pray for her uh, for healing, for hearing. She had hearing problems. A and um, he said, uh, he said, now, I don't have any problem with praying for you. I'd be glad to pray for you. He said, but he said, um, that's not really my area of, of expertise. Uh, he said, on the other hand, nearly every single person I lay hands on to receive the Holy Spirit receives the Holy Spirit speaking in other tongues. He said, but my wife, uh, she is used in the area of praying for the sick. And she has great, much greater success than I do. And that, that wasn't because he was unspiritual, just because that's just, we, we, are, we are the body of Christ, right? All of us are the body of Christ, not anyone in particular, right? All of us together make up the body of Christ. So all of us together are, are needed to do all of the work of the Lord. Amen. Uh, and so what, what he had observed and what he understood was... Uh, I, I, you know, just through experience, you find out where you're, you're most successful, where you find that the Lord uses you the most. Uh, and you, you magnify that. You magnify the office that the Lord puts you in. And then, you know, faith always works, of course. That's true. Uh, but if you're needing help that uh, only the, uh, the power of God specifically can help you with, if your faith is weak or, you know, whatever the issue is, and, and you just need somebody to, to carry the load for you, uh, through the, the ministry gifts, which is kind of why the ministry gifts are there, to carry the load for people who are unable to do it themselves. Because if you can do it yourself by faith, you don't really need the ministry gifts, right? So the ministry gifts are there to help you carry 
carry the load of that of that situation and and deal with it on your behalf and and he said uh why don't we get my wife she she is used in that area much more than i am uh and uh, as far as i understand she got prayed for and got healed and and uh, you know we you remember we spent quite a bit of time teaching with ff uh, F. bosworth's book uh, and ff F. bosworth was was um, very very successful in praying for the deaf uh, in fact, I think it was Brother Hagen also had been to one of his services and he said he saw 13 people get up that were deaf and he saw 13 people leave with completely healed of deafness. Uh, and for whatever reason, uh, that seems to be uh, um, with the Lord that uh, he will assign certain uh, abilities to people because if you go to 1 Corinthians uh, 12, when it talks about the gifts of the Spirit, one of the gifts is gifts of healings. And in the Greek, it's plural. So it's not just give the, the gift of healing. It's gifts of healings. So it's, they're both plural, uh, which implies that, that, uh, that's, that there's gifts to healing this sickness and gifts to heal that sickness and gifts to heal that sickness, the ability to heal specific sicknesses. And the Lord may only put certain things on other people. Now, again, that's the, that's the supernatural manifestation of healings, right? That's the the manifestation that requires very little faith on the receiver's part for it to be in operation. Whereas just general faith that we all have as Christians can always work. Amen. Uh, and so, so uh, what a lot of ministers observe is they find out where, um, where they're the most sex successful at. And, uh, and then they capitalize on that. And then if they've got other things than, than other situations, they can still pray for them. But if there's somebody else, with them, I know when we were with uh, Dr. Dufresne, uh, many times if there are certain sicknesses, he would call up certain ministers that he knew in the audience uh, that were very well used in that, that area. Hey, you come up here, pray for this, you know, pray for this person. And of course, sometimes people get offended. Well, I wanted you to pray for me. Well, I thought you wanted to be healed. All right, if you want to be healed, then why wouldn't you let, you know, uh, have confidence. You have confidence in me to pray, but you don't have confidence in me to, to pick the person that's best suited to pray for you. Amen. Uh, and so, so, uh, but in that, uh, every single person that has sickness has the right to be healed, right? Uh, because everybody that came to Jesus can get healed. Uh, and so, so uh, after all of that, the, after the mass healing, and, and she made a point there that, that if Jesus healed uh, the multitudes and the masses, then we should be healing the multitudes and masses. And, and, and I think that's true, right? That uh, in general, we can do that. And like, uh, even within the constraints of sometimes God may use you in some areas more successfully than others. Uh, but as a whole, the body of Christ has the capacity to heal the masses. Amen. Uh, and so, um, and then we finally get down to uh, verse 17, that after having done all of these things, that it says that it might be fulfilled, which is spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself took our infirmities and bare sicknesses. And we know that that's a quote from Isaiah 53, right? Uh, and, uh, and then she spends quite a bit of time talking about, you know, why did he do these things? And, um, you know, it, it wasn't so much that, that he was trying to prove anything. Jesus was never under pressure to prove anything. Uh, but, uh, you know, part of it was... Uh, you know, and she says this a few different times, and I'm not 100% sure that, uh, I don't think there's anything wrong, but, um, uh, but her point was that, that he did these things because it was pro prophesied that he would do those things. So he was compelled to do them because it was written that he would do them. And, you know, I think it's almost the cart before the horse. 
that he did them because that's what God's will was, and by doing them, it fulfilled what the, what the prophecies were, as opposed to, you know, he was scanning through the Old Testament going, okay, it says i got to do that, so then now I have to go do that. Uh, I don't think there's actually that wrong to do that. I, I don't quite see it that way, that I think he did these things because that's who he was, that's who God wanted him to be, and by doing those things, he was automatically fulfilling the, the, um, uh, the Old Testament scriptures there. Uh, and so, and she brings out another point about uh, uh, in 1 Corinthians 15, this is where it says Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, uh, which is true, right? Isaiah, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 3, uh, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Uh, but again, she said that he did that uh, because it was prophesied of him, because that's what it says, that according to the scriptures. But again, you know, that sounds almost like, he, to me, it's, it almost implies he was doing the bare minimum. Well, okay, I got to do that. Okay, I'm doing that. But I ain't doing anything else. I'm just doing that right there, you know. And not that she really implied that, but, but uh, I think it was kind of the other way around. Like Jesus was so big uh, in doing all these things that he did. He did all these great things, and along the way, he also fulfilled a whole bunch of scriptures. But many things he did were no doubt not prophesied in the scriptures, right? Especially the specifics, you know. There was no scripture prophesied that he would uh, specifically heal the fever, and yet he did, right? So, um, and that and that's okay. I mean, I don't have a big a big problem with it. But um, um, you know, I, I don't I don't like to put the Lord in a box, right? So let's go back and look at Isaiah fifty three, and just see these promises here. I know we know these things, but uh, Matthew eight seventeen uh, <clears throat> is saying that that he. Uh, that it might be fulfilled, which is spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself took our infirmities and, and bare our sicknesses. Uh, and so, so then that's a, a uh, um, fulfillment of what Isaiah 53 says. So um, it says here in Isaiah 53, verse 4, Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, uh, uh, stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him. By his stripes we were healed. Uh, and so, um, but uh, he did these things for us, right? Uh, and so, uh, and, and this is, so you go to Isaiah 53, you see that, uh, that he took these things, he has borne our griefs, carried our sorrows, which is what uh, uh, Matthew eight seventeen says, that uh, himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. So it's just a fulfillment of verse 4 there, right? Surely he had borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Uh, and the, those word griefs and sorrows there are sickness and disease and pain, right? Griefs mean sickness and disease and, and sorrows are pains. So uh, the King James Version of Isaiah 53 is not as clear as the King James Version of Matthew 8, 17, although it was still, you know, it's a, it's a fulfillment of that prophecy, right? So the... Uh, the translators of Isaiah 53 could have done a slightly better job in translating it because just reading griefs and sorrows, those appear to be emotional issues, right? Griefs and sorrows. But griefs means sickness and disease, and sorrows means pains. So he's really talking about uh, physical sickness and disease. Not that he didn't cover those other things as well, uh, but, um, but that's what it really what it originally meant there, amen? Uh, I want to read um, Isaiah 53 and a couple other translations. One says, uh, verse 4, But only our diseases did he bear himself, and our pains he carried, uh, while we indeed esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. And so that translation really brought out the correct, uh, and that's Leeser's translation. Uh, it's a good Old Testament translation. 
um, it brings out the, really the correct um, definition for those two words, diseases and pains, as opposed to griefs and sorrows. Another translation says, but in truth he hath borne our sicknesses and endured our pains, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Uh, and so that's really um, uh, the most, I think, the most accurate translation of, of those. If you just look up those words, uh, then you find out that, uh, that this was prophesying that someday he would take our sicknesses and diseases from us. Uh, and, and specifically in, in the area of disease and physical uh, sickness, which is interesting because if this was prophesied, why doesn't the church believe this? Did he do that? Uh, uh, he did do this, right? And so did he stop doing this? Why? And people say, well, he stopped doing that. Then why did the Lord ever prophesy to begin with? You know, uh, because this word is for all time. It's not just for the one sliver of time for the three and a half years he was in ministry. It was to be for all time, right? He, did, did he, did he uh, deal with our iniquities? Right? He did, right? Uh, and um, if he dealt with our iniquities, uh, in fact, he says in verse 6 of Isaiah 53, we all, we like sheep have gone astray. We have, turn, we have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Well, was that only for the time that he was alive on the earth? Was that only for the time when the apostles were alive? And then after that, the, the work of the iniquity was uh, expired? No, this was for all time, right? Uh, and, and so just like the uh, griefs and sorrows was for all time. And just like in verse 5, the end of verse 5, that with his stripes we are healed, uh, that is for all time, right? That would, so uh, if the stripes are what paid for our healing, then when did those stripes expire? When did the purchase price for those stripes that he took stripes in exchange for sickness and disease, when did that expire? Was that only a limited amount of uh, pain and agony that he suffered? I mean, his blood was enough to cleanse every sin that's ever been committed well wouldn't the the infliction of pain upon his own body be enough to to dispel all sickness and disease for all time as well why why is his blood more capable than his body he was jesus right all of it was perfect all of it was the perfect sacrifice so to say that his blood was sufficient for iniquity for all time but his body was only sufficient for sickness for a short period of time that doesn't make any sense, right? That's just that's bad doctrine, amen? Of course, all of it's bad doctrine anyway, but sometimes seeing it in a different way, you know, makes a little bit more sense for us, right? Uh, and, and so, um, so he did, he did all these things, and, uh, and it says that, that, we, that himself did it, right? So that's, that's the whole point of this chapter, that he did it himself. He didn't assign it to a, to a flunky. He didn't delegate it. He did it himself, right? Uh, and, uh, and, and not himself with medicine or doctors. Uh, in fact, there was one, one translation when we were going through for our book on healing. Uh, the, tran the translator, for whatever reason, just, uh, you know, sometimes they write up uh, a little bit what they believe. A lot of times they don't. But you can tell what they believe by, you know, how they translate something. And so every time it came to, you know, uh, and uh, he rebuked the fever and it left her. Uh, he, would, he would add in the translation that, that he uh, provided her medical assistance and, and, and through uh, medicine or natural means, she was able to get better. And, and every time there was any supernatural uh, healing, he would always kind of water it down and, and imply that it was due to some uh, medicinal uh, assistance that they gave to her or him or whoever, right? Uh, and uh, so it's clear that 
you know, no other translator ever did that. And, and of course, it doesn't say that, obviously, in, even in the original language. But for whatever reason, they didn't believe in the supernatural power of God, which is kind of odd. Why are you translating the Bible if you don't believe in a supernatural God? I, you know, I never ever understood that. But there have been plenty of translators that did that. And so, so Jesus chose to do this himself, right? He didn't, he didn't uh, delegate it to anybody. He chose to do this himself. And just like uh, there in Hebrews chapter 1, it says in verse 3, who being the brightness of his glory in the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. So he paid for our sickness and disease by himself, right? Didn't assign it to anybody else. And he paid for our sins by himself. Didn't assign that to anybody else. So, so you, you know, if you just meditate on that, you have to get to the, uh, uh, get to the conclusion that the Lord Jesus considers this an important thing in our lives, that we live lives in divine health. Amen? This is not a small thing, not a minor thing. If he did it himself, it had to be an important thing. It had to be a big thing. Amen? You know, if it's a small thing, you know, you think about it. Uh, uh, who, who dealt with Lucifer? The Bible says in Michael the archangel uh, fought with Lucifer. Why? Because it wasn't that important to Jesus. He, he didn't even bother to get up off the throne and, and go deal with it himself. He goes, Michael, you go deal with it. It's just an, a, an annoyance, which made the devil even matter. I'm, I'm Lucifer. Who'd you say? Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, yeah, you're not invited anymore, right? You know, and and uh, we're going to let Michael handle this, right? See, if it's something that's important, Jesus did it himself. If it's something that's less important, like dealing with the devil, <laughs> he, he just delegated that. You go, you go deal with that, you know. Uh, and, and that should tell you how important the Lord thinks that your healing is, that he dealt with it himself, amen? And if he dealt with it himself, then, then why, why, would, why would we discount it? Why would we act like it's not that important? If he did it himself, I think the, anything the Lord Jesus did <clears throat> got to be important, amen? Uh, and so, so that's the whole point, really, of this chapter is he chose to do these things himself. He chose to take sickness and disease himself. He chose to purge uh, our sin himself. Amen. And so, um, and then for how long did he do it? For all eternity, right? If he, if he purged our sins, for how long does that last? Forever, right? If he, if he bore our sickness and carried our diseases, how long did that last? Forever, right? So it doesn't expire. Amen. Uh, and so, so that, that's the conclusion of, of uh, chapter 7 there. And so you guys want to go through some questions? Uh, answer some questions here. So uh, this goes, of course, this goes all the way back to the beginning there, but of chapter seven, uh, it says, question number one says, it is the what that he sent and healed us. He sent his word and healed us, right? Anybody remember where the reference of that is? I'll give you a hint. Psalms, right? Psalms. Uh, anyone any closer? Psalms 107, anyone in, anyone, anyone in? It's Psalm 107, 20 um, is the reference for that. Um, and so uh, question number two is, what should we hide in our hearts to obtain and maintain our healing? The word of God, the word of God amen, right? So we keep that hidden in our hearts, amen? Uh, and, and if we do that, then uh, it'll be health to all of our flesh, amen? And how often should we meditate on the word? Day and night, Day and night right? That doesn't mean you, you stop eating and breathing and taking a bath and whatever. You know, it just, it should be a, an important part of your life. Amen. 
and so please continue to, to take a bath. Amen. Uh, and so uh, when Jesus told the leper that he would cleanse him, how long was that promise good for? It was good for forever, right? Uh, I will. He didn't say I will, but you're on the clock, buddy. You've got 15 minutes and then that's it, right? That, no, that it was forever, right? Uh, who took our infirmities and, and bore our sicknesses? Uh, Jesus did, right? And who helped him bear our sicknesses? No, and he himself did it, right? He didn't share the love of that at all. Amen. He did it entirely by himself. Uh, and then uh, question seven is, why did Jesus bear our sickness? This is her answer, right? So, uh, no, this is... Uh, <laughs> uh, well, uh, the, the, the answer I put was that the word promised that he would. Uh, and, and so she made a point of that several times, that he did it because the word promised that he would do it. Uh, and so, um, so that's the answer. Other answers are probably acceptable. The nice thing, since it's not really school, you know, we'll, we'll give you a lot of leeway on that, right? Uh, and so, in the King James Version of Isaiah 53, verse 4, what do the words griefs and sorrows mean? Sickness and pains, right? Or diseases and pains. So either one of those is, is correct, right? And so, and, and the nice thing is those really are more accurately uh, uh, showing us that it dealt with sickness, you know, diseases that we deal with, right? Not emotional trauma, amen? And there's another discussion uh, on those in other areas. Um, all right, well, so uh, we'll pick up uh, next time on chapter 8 about uh, uh, our friend Balaam, uh, Balaam and the donkey, and, um, uh, and not much in the area of, of healing in there, but, it, but it just general promises of God, which is good, so um, it'll be a good chapter to go through. Uh, but next week, will be uh, Dr. Larry Hutton will be with us, uh, and he'll do healing school, and uh, I think you'll enjoy his ministry here next week so it's been a few few years since we've seen him right chris probably about 20 years or so <laughs> and so it's been a while um but um looking forward to seeing him amen uh and so well, let's pray and thank the lord for his word today so father we thank you that you yourself did choose to bear our sicknesses and carry our diseases uh, and so father we thank you for your kindness that you didn't delegate it you felt strong enough that you, you wanted to do it you didn't want to give that work to anybody else you wanted to take care of it yourself and so father we thank you for that for your kindness to send your only son to do this on our behalf and if you if you did that father then we accept and understand that it was for all time and not just for a moment of time in history for the very few uh, moments that jesus was on the earth that it was for all time and so we believe that father and we thank you for that we live and choose to live in divine health and healing all the days of our life, when we give you the praise and the honor for it, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, all right, praise God. Well, let's get ready to receive this afternoon's offering as the thunder rolls, right? And um, it didn't rain this morning, did it? You know, we got we have to stick around church and see it rained, you know, in the, in the, in the church last week with a brand new roof there. And so they came and fixed it. So I'm sure they did a good job. The rest of it looked, looked really good. So uh, we'll come ahead, Mr. Jared, and receive the offering. And um, about to get everything wound up, right? Uh, and so, you know, I'm, I keep looking at the carpet. It's amazing how, how straight a line they got on that curve. You know, it's a, um, they did a great job of doing that, right? So, uh, and um, I think the, last, the next thing we'll see 
a big change will be on the lighting. They're going to redo the, some lighting on the stage here, help us out there. And then, um, so we're really close, amen? Everything getting wound up and, and move on, amen? Uh, actually got to my office. Everything's not hooked up yet, but um, uh, we are in the four walls, so that's a good sign right there. So, uh, well, I encourage you, you know, of course, next week is also our church meal. And so, um, uh, you know, maybe um, if you get a chance, invite some folks out to those meetings there with uh, Dr. Hutton. I think um, you'll enjoy them. And I know that he goes to a church over in Cleveland. So I'm hoping some of those folks come and join us, at least for healing school in the afternoon um, during those services there. Amen. Uh, and so be blessed. Stay dry. And uh, we'll see you next week.